Uncaged. Uncaged. A show celebrating thought leadership from today's top business leaders. The program provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the world of commerce tomorrow. And now, please welcome our host, Bant Breen, as we begin another Uncaged episode. Today we've got someone very focused on the commerce angle, the direct commerce angle, which is Prashant Nema. Hi, Prashant. Good morning. Thank you. It's great to have you here on the show, Prashant. Prashant is the Global Chief Information Officer of Arch Capital. Uh, We're going to talk to Prashant about his views and, and his experience with living through all of this tremendous change we're seeing in the finance space and how that relates to really kind of the implementation of a lot of technology that's driving that. Before we get to that, uh, Prashant, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career. Sure. Uh, first of all, uh, thanks for having me uh, on the show and uh, greetings to all the audience who's watching this. Uh, uh, a little bit about myself. Uh, I, I come from a technology background, started as a uh, technologist, uh, typically the developers, uh, the database folks and came up through the ranks. Uh, I've worked with a lot of uh, technology companies early on, uh, including uh, some time at KPMG and then at Oracle engineering their products and doing product management for them. Uh, but uh, somewhere around 15 odd years back, I, I entered into the financial services and that's where uh, I was able to get all my background and knowledge with technology into the financial services. And it has been an amazing journey since then about the impact you can cause when using technology, uh, how you cause change, how do you uh, make technology matter versus just creating products prior to that. Uh, I also started my career for a long time uh, in Silicon Valley in California. And I think that uh, that does certain wonders for you early on in your career. Uh, You learn about the competitive spirit, uh, the innovation spirit, the entrepreneurial spirit, uh, I, I was the CIO at uh, Silicon Valley Bank uh, for five odd years and uh, over there working with their customers who uh, are all startup early stage companies, uh, founders who are passionate about their ideas and you can see them all starting from uh, nothing to growing to build the unicorns which we all have read a lot about. Uh, and it's only less than 1% of them who we all hear about uh, and the remaining 99% uh, who go nowhere, but the the energy and the excitement of getting your ideas and creating something out of nothing and causing that change uh, was instrumental in my uh, background and today who I am in terms of how I think about things and trying to always find a way to do things and trying to find new ways of making things happen and how can you influence people around you uh, and make change happen for the betterment of all. that's, that's amazing. I mean, I I see that the space that you're working in right now, um, and clearly that you've been focused on for, I'd say the the last several years of your career from Silicon Valley all the way through now with, to Arch Capital, is is really kind of sitting at that 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 I think that keystone that where where everything is starting to shift and change. We're seeing kind of obviously lots and lots of new technologies that are shaping financial services of all sorts. I mean, 
what 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 are you seeing today and what's exciting you right now so it's in the financial services uh, th there's a transformation of this industry going on uh, transformation uh, in regards to this was an industry what uh, what happened with high tech uh, supply chain uh, and some of the other ones is now happening in the financial services it started with the banking industry where uh, 20 years back, I'm not sure how many of us were doing online banking, but today who doesn't do online banking? And this was a phenomenon which is not too old. People forget this was a phenomenon which started in the early 2000s and uh, by late 2000s, very quickly within eight to 10 years, every bank had to have that. Some banks only have that. There's no brick and mortar. Uh, and today, 80 to 90% of all money moves uh, electronically all around the world. Uh, whether you are sharing money with uh, the guy standing next to you in your driveway. And yeah, you're you know, I had such a strange experience. So, you know, we're, we're a global company. And I, um, I recently I was in our European headquarters, which is in Spain. And, and normally we do all of our banking online now. Everything's basically online. Mm -hmm. But I had to go to the office to basically change uh, to the addresses and things like that to our new new offices. And I I got there at 1 p.m. and the office was shut. And and I said, well, what's wrong? He said, oh, well, we shut all, we shut down in the afternoon every day. And it was like one of these moments where you know. Uh, what a bank was in the retail constructs, like operating as if it was still. 1960 <laughs> but you know we had all you know we'd shifted i'd shifted my habits obviously to being uh you know all digital all the time it was uh it was a it was a strange moment to have a somebody tell me that their bank was shut at 1 p.m <laughs> yeah we, we all have expectations of what we want to do you want to get it done now right it is not about the days where we decided we want to take an action. We plan for it, do it three days later and expect it'll get done in 10 days after. Those days are gone. We want to pick up the phone. We want to go to the computer and take action on it now and expect to see a response back that it's done, right? Uh, that's the world we live in. And in anything and everything we touch all of us every day, we expect that same behavior. And started with banking, but now it's into all the other financial services areas, which were not necessarily directly consumer facing. Uh, insurance being one of them, which is very heavily going through that same transformation. Uh, huge industry, uh, a multi-trillion dollar industry worldwide going through that same transformation right now. And the, the kind of impact uh, digital technologies will be causing in the next decade in that space uh, is going to be far more reaching than what we have seen with banking. So a huge, huge transformation happening as all of us in our daily lives uh, get used to thinking about life on Mars, autonomous vehicles, right? Our, our minds are churning to think about, dreaming about life in 10, 20 years, what would that look like? We expect some of these things, uh, we expect them that those dreams and wishes will become a reality very soon. Uh, that's yeah, how so, man so, is motivated. I mean, Prashant, there is not a uh, development that you you don't touch in the tech space in the finance tech space i i know you're thinking about blockchain i know you're thinking about machine learning i mean what what is the what is the thing that uh you're excited about or or concerned about maybe, maybe they're different things so so you're right that there's so many areas and so much of technology which can bring about change and uh 
digitization. Uh, but one of something very fundamental in the uh, financial services space is, is the value and the use of data. Uh, it is the most uh, talked about, but least uh, utilized to its fullest. Uh, it's people call it, it is the oil of the future. Some people call it, it's the goal which we have and so on and so forth. Uh, but beyond those statements, it's a very difficult problem to solve, to go after the uh, mountains of data which you have hidden, directly available to make sense out of it and make it work for you and create value for you is not an easy task. Uh, and different in different sectors, it poses different challenges based on how that data has been used. To, to solve that problem uh, is, is of paramount importance in the financial services space, uh, whether it be banking, whether it be insurance, whether it be brokerage firms, uh, investment firms, same problem. They want to get a handle on their data and harness the power of their data and make it work for them and do wonders and hence they can compete with one another, right? Uh, pricing is commodity. Pricing is important uh, on your products, but it's a commodity. If you only compete on pricing, you're gonna lose out soon because it is gonna eat up on your margins very quickly, right? So right. the customer experiences which you create based on additional services and enrichment in that experience comes from the wealth of data which we have. And there's so much still to be done in that space with using technologies which you were talking about and so much more. And I think we've just started that. And what other things that could be done using AI and ML and predictive analytics is in the next five years, there's a huge explosion happening in that so, space. So I, 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 I love that topic. And it, you know, the data question uh, comes up in, in a lot of, uh, I would say, business verticals that are experiencing change. One, because just uh, individuals want to analyze that information and, and, and understand it more effectively. But two, to really operate any type of a machine learning system, you really need to have a better handle on your data and, and, and a clear way of getting quality data into, into the models that you're, you're, you're building. So, I mean, when, when you think of a good use of data right now, I mean, what would be a good example of maybe one of the challenges that you guys are working on with, with data specifically and how to, how to make it work more effectively for you? So in, in the industry, think about it in the insurance space, uh, I'll, I'll draw a compare and contrast. Uh, one is uh, when you are signing up new customers, how do you make better decisions about that customer? There's so much data you already have about this customer, if it's a customer who has been with you, or which you can buy, which you can get from third parties to understand that customer. So you can make informed decisions. You can you can manage your risk with your customer. You can enrich the experience of engagement with your customer because you know so much about them. You can be intuitive with your customer and not ask them for a lot of data because you can get that about them and make that experience uh, very fruitful with them, very easy and simple with them saying, hey, this was easy. I could connect with them. I could get on their system and I called them. They knew everything about me and they exactly knew what was going on about me and what I was looking for. People will love that besides you even come to a point of what price you're charging. And if you're charging a couple of basis points more, they'll be happy to pay that because of that amazing experience you created for them and you make their life so much simpler. Flip of that now internally in the insurance uh, world, uh, even in banking, underwriting, right? The, you need to underwrite the business. You need to decide on the risk which you have and hence what price I should be doing. 
And a lot of that could be assisted with good trusted data again. Uh, it is about finding all what you need to know about this piece of business and should you be underwriting it and what are the risks associated and hence what is the right price to be able to price is appropriately based on that risk on the flip of a switch rather than saying, oh, that's going to take me two, three weeks and I have to shove paper all around the whole company through a manual process versus send it through the systems and let the system do 99% of the work for you. Again, the power of data so that you are doing it with automation, managing risk, coming up with the best price for the risk which you're underwriting, power of data. Yeah, I, that's a great example. I, I think the, the rethinking of, uh, of risk uh, and, and who, who is risky, who is not, is a, is a great way that data can be applied. I, I'm actually hopeful about that. Uh, I can imagine uh, you probably had lots of, of, of startups when you were at, at Silicon Valley Bank that uh, probably were wondering why they didn't get money from Silicon Valley Bank. And, and, and now you look back and you say, oh, we should have invested in those guys. You know, they're now, you know, now it's Zuckerberg or whatever. But, you know, the evaluating that stuff and using different models is, is, is truly, I think, revolutionary. Uh, some of the models that I've seen still use very kind of archaic data uh, to kind of value credit and things like that. The, the other thing is also the combination of data and instantly available data, right? So to have that data and to use that data is one thing. And now with the advent of uh, third-party APIs and things available in the cloud, you can actually think about I will get eight additional data points and get that in the mix uh, because quickly I can subscribe to those services, hook up with them, go on the cloud, get that versus, so it's possible. It is quick, it's easy, it's possible to quickly use more of the data versus what you used to do earlier, right? So there are a lot of new opportunities available, services available and more than you can imagine data in your company and externally available you need to just put it together in the right models to make it work for you and create that change and impact. That's great. So let's change gears a little bit here. I, uh, this year has been a crazy one uh, for all of us. And uh, just wanted to uh, just ask you a couple questions about how, how, how you've been uh, handling it, how your business and team have been handling it and what's been giving you uh, the most kind of happiness uh, through this moment. Uh, so I, I agree, it has been uh, unprecedented uh, last one year uh, by any norms for any of us uh, in our lifetimes, uh, but a lot of learning from that, right? Uh, uh, of course, we've got a lot of uh, things which we've got thankful to what we have, but there are many people who have lost a lot uh, as well, and we, we are very appreciative and keep those in our prayers. But I think mankind has, I feel, accelerated 10 years ahead than where it was because of it, right? Uh, that's the silver lining in all of this. Uh, if, if we didn't have this, uh, would we get there? I think so, yes, we would have anyways got there. But we needed this push, uh, a gruesome push indeed, uh, but we needed this push and uh, what we have done with our vaccines and how people are operating businesses uh, through the pandemic. Uh, if people would have said that we want everybody working from home, uh, it would have taken them three years before they said, okay, we put a plan together and now we have done so many tests and now we are doing it. Voila, in 10, 15 days, almost every business did that. Yeah. Which shows the ability which exists, which is just waiting to be tapped into. And how do you 
tap into your organization's operating models in a whole new different way. It is making a lot of businesses think about what else is possible. How could I harness new possibilities and look at doing business in new ways? Uh, employee engagement. The one thing which I do believe uh, we miss out on, but I, I'm pretty certain we are all creative minds and we'll figure that out is we lost the opportunity of the in-person communications. The, the video communications have skyrocketed through the roof uh, almost 500 to 1000% than what it used to be one year back. But the human to human communications has its place. Uh, it has its significance, it has its value. And I think the world ahead a year from now is going to be this hybrid world which where both of these exist. For certain things, we will still rely on the human collaboration, in-person communication for forming those strategies and solving those complicated problems where we want the right people, the right minds to get in a room and do that. And for the rest, uh, we know it works. We saw that happen last one year. Let's do more of that, right? Uh, but while, while this happens, what we all have learned in the last uh, 30, 40 years is how we go about uh, doing business. We've learned it a way, which is where we all go to work. There's an office, everybody comes there. That model has changed forever. Yeah. Uh, employee engagement and company culture is going to have a whole new meaning going ahead. Yeah, how are you going I, to have I, a culture? Yeah, I completely agree. We've seen such a, a an acceleration of change and um, I think you just raised a great point, which is not only that companies did it in, the, in, in some ways, how humans are amazing with handling crisis moments, but how it's actually kind of opened up a new pathway for the future. So, I mean, when you think about kind of the big things that your, your company and you are, are working on and seeing for the next couple of years, what do you think uh, are, are real sta standouts for you? I, I think there are, there are several things in general the industry will need to do, but I think there are two or three which are uh, which are going to be significant at, at a macro level is uh, how does company create and maintain cultures for change, right? Uh, change is here and people realize change is going to keep happening and at breakneck speed. But you need to have a company culture which is catered and geared to accept uh, with open-mindedness, such change coming, welcome it, uh, implement it, and thrive in it, right? That is going to be super critical, and that will not come easy. Uh, the second is, is there's going to be a war of talent. Uh, there's going to be a war of talent in the, in the sense there's always people who wanted good, good people and smart people. But how do people work who work digitally, who can make digital change happen, that kind of talent is going to be right up there on the list of everybody who wants them. And uh, this will start from our educational systems who will create more of them. You'll see that starting to change in the educational systems to create more of them, uh, but that will take time. That will come in five years, 10 years from now, but you will see that happen. And then the ones which are there, how people are going to try to attract them and retain them and challenge them and appreciate them, right? Uh, that's, that's the other thing. The third thing is, assuming you have these two things in place, the, the agile mindset in the company, enterprise agility of don't think about things, things change, market conditions. If anything, what has taught us in the last one year is don't plan so far ahead. Or if you do plan, keep it macro level, but be ready to change things 
of what is ahead of you in the next 30, 60, 90 days and react to that and be ready for that, which requires enterprise agility, agility of thinking, planning, acting, delivering in pockets of the 30, 60, 90 days and not beyond, which is a big deal. Agility has been come in, enterprise uh, IT agility and agile transformations are happening in the operational slide. Uh, lean transformations are happening, but there's a lot more to be done because if all of this is happening at breakneck speed, the internal company has to also operate yeah. uh, at the same speed to stay at par and compete and lead the market. Yeah, I I, I listen to your thoughts and uh, I I love it and I. I think that uh, for for folks that work in technology, a lot of these trends have been evolving quickly for for quite some time, right? In the sense that uh, we've seen um, uh, development take a much more agile approach for years. But I think you're absolutely right. How do you actually operationalize that across the broader enterprise in a way, right? So that everyone 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 embraces that. And I I love that thought of in some ways, maintaining a, your true north whilst also being able to iterate quickly uh, based on any changes that might happen in the short, in the immediate term. That's great. And then the point that you made on talent is I think an excellent one. I haven't really heard a, a lot of people talk about talent enough, but you're absolutely right. We're, we're living through a moment where top, top talent is going to really think about life in a quite a radically different way, don't you think? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, 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 if you have, I have a young son who is uh, 21 and he has a whole new view of life than I had when I was 21. Uh, and it's, he's a product of the current times. Uh, he's a millennium kid uh, who's only seen this part of uh, the millennium on the other side versus the other side. So uh, the, these kids, uh, a little bit stressful for them who are coming out of schools right now and graduation because it's not the best of times to land the jobs while you're in the pandemic. But what is going to be needed of them is going to be relentless and they're going to be needed to be delivering this from anywhere in the world, let alone anywhere in the country when you're working for the brand and the corporate uh, with the new office notion very quickly diluting. Uh, things are going to be always needed yesterday. Uh, and uh, they all are going to be all digital savvy. The, the notion of studying computer science versus computer science uh, and technology burnt into every stream which is taught is the reality of the day, right? People yeah. understanding technology and knowing how to use computer science, whether you are building cars, you're building electronics, or you're building business systems, uh, you name it. You need to have that knowledge. That is almost like knowing the language of English. You need to have that. Absolutely. I mean, it is the language of today and definitely of tomorrow. Well, listen, Prashant, thank you so much for joining us on Uncaged today. Uh, we've been talking to Prashant Nema. He is the Global Chief Information Officer of Arch Capital. And we've been talking to him about really the unprecedented level of change that we've been living through over the last year, as well as a lot of the shifts that we're seeing in the financial sector um, across the board and how technology plays a key role in that. Prashant, if, if folks want to reach out to you, where should they find you? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. Uh, uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn and give me a ping and I'll be happy to connect. Excellent. 
We've been speaking to Prashant Nema, who is the Global Chief Information Officer of Arch Capital. He's been our guest on Uncaged, a program that provides a voice to amazing executives from around the globe who are shaping the world of business today and mapping the path to the commerce of tomorrow. Thank you so much for being on the show, Prashant. Thank you very much. God bless.